Hello and welcome to the Offensive Security Podcast. I am Dr. Heather Monty, and today I am here with Adam, aka Falcon, Falcon Spy. He's currently an offensive security engineer at Oracle, as well as a community ambassador here at Offsec. Adam has attended Rochester Institute of Technology. He majored in information security and forensics, and we're both residents of sunny Arizona. Welcome, Falcon Spy. Hey, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about um, your background and just what, how you got into cybersecurity. How did you get interested in cybersecurity? So I originally wasn't in cy- the cybersecurity field, uh, even though I went to RIT for a degree in information security and forensics. I originally actually went to RIT for a computer science uh, degree. I realized in probably partway through my freshman year that it just it really wasn't for me. And um, I guess the the catalyst towards wanting to join the cybersecurity field, uh, there was a bunch of high profile hacks at the time, and you know they they, they were crime related, but it was still somewhat interesting to kind of read about it. So I think it was it was about Lulzsec at the time, and I think it was. Uh, the Sony major hack, um, where their their source code for the PlayStation was leaked or or something. I can't I can't fully remember, but you know I was I was reading about it and I really wanted to understand what was going on with how they did what they did, but I also wanted to kind of be that person who helps stop that. Um, you know I like I like being able to understand what happens, but also being able to fix things. Um, I guess I like to fix things. So yeah, that's that's kind of really what got me interested in the field. So. You know, after reading about the the high profile case and not really enjoying computer science, I, I made the switch to information security and forensics. And then, um, yeah, I graduated from RIT. Didn't necessarily be in the field immediately. It took it took about seven years to get here. Um, couple of I, I guess missteps, um, but I had some people who helped uh, guide me back to, you know, the field. I got my OCP certification and then. I joined Oracle and also. Okay. Okay. All right. Great. So one thing I always like to do is I, I just, I always like to start out conversations of just tell us a little bit, just something interesting about yourself. That's just, it's not related to tech. It's not related to cybersecurity. It's not related to computer science, just something completely like just an interesting tidbit about yourself. I really love archery. Uh, despite the fact that I don't own a bow of my own, um, but I, I really loved archery when I used to go to summer camp um, since I was fortunate to be able to go. Uh, they, they had archery there and I just, I just fell in love with it. So um, despite not owning a bow, uh, I really do love archery. So um, it's kind of a treat to go to an archery, an archery range. That, that's pretty cool. How did you get into archery? Like what, what attracted you to that? Yeah, it was just uh, the kind of the experience at summer camp. Um, it okay. was something new. I've never done it. And then they're just like, hey, we have this option for you if you want to do it. I did it. And I was just, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I feel like, um, you know, when Hunger Games came out, that was when, you know, a lot of a lot of young people got really interested in archery. I was kind of into it when I was younger. I had some health issues in high school. So I there was only certain gym classes I could take. And uh, archery was one of them. So that, that, that's my, that's my background with arch- archery. <laughs> so, I'm no, um, yeah, I, I'm no professional. Like <laughs> I know the different kinds of bows, but I'm not, you know, I'm definitely no Olympic shooter here. I, I definitely hit the the outsides every now and then. All right. All right. I just always like to know just something a little bit interesting about people that just is not related to security at all. So thank you for that. Um, 
So uh, just tell us, you, you, just, you just mentioned that you, know, you got your OSCP. So just tell, talk to us a little bit about what your OSCP journey was, what it was like, um, you know, just tell us a little bit about it. I believe I started my OSCP journey back in 2014, if I remember right. So it was fresh out of college. I, I already had a job lined up after graduating, um, not in the field. Um, and RIT at the time, this information security and forensics program was, was just spinning up. So the, the program wasn't fully really fleshed out. So uh, I knew I needed to get something or learn or, or find some resource to, to kind of help fill in the gaps that were that were missing. So the the course at the time was pen testing with backtrack. So yeah, this was around 2013, 2014, 2015. So I started around then. I still really had no idea what, what I was doing at all. Um, so I, I I never ended up taking the exam back in 2014 or 2015 or or that time frame. Um, I struggled through the the labs at the time. Again, I had no experience. I had nothing really going for me outside of just the uh, like one class I took at RIT, um, where they're just like, "Hey, here's here's a copy of Backtrack. Here's a Windows XP machine. Here's a tool called Armitage, and then like there's a a Hail Mary feature. Go ahead and run that and see what happens." So like I really had nothing outside of outside of that. So. I guess that's where the OSCP journey started. Um, fast forward to about 2018, 2019, around that time frame. Um, you know, I had learned a lot more about pen testing and certain skills that I needed to have and, and, and tools. I mean, a lot of it was kind of those three things and kind of also establishing a methodology of how to go about guess pen testing a machine or attacking a machine so um yeah 2019 i had my labs renewed um by my employer at the time even though i wasn't in the field um, they were pretty reluctant to pay for it but um i was volunteering for the uh, red team at that company and uh the red team lead managed to convince my my, my manager at that company to to pay for the the ocp again so um, this was, so yeah, around 2018, 2019. So it's, uh, the PTWK version one, um, it's been upgraded now, uh, I think around February of 2020. Um, so yeah, at the time I, I made my way through the labs. I think I got about 50 of the machines that were available to us, mostly all in the student labs, um, or the student TMZ rather. Um, I think I only got one or two hosts in each of the other environments, like the IT, uh, development and admin. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, I finished up the labs. I didn't bother getting any extensions. Um, I took the exam about three times. So obviously I failed. I failed the first time, um, due to just poor time management. Uh, the second time I learned that I was pretty weak with uh, windows privilege escalation. And then the third time things just happened to, to work out. I never call those failures. I call them learning experiences, right? Like you, you, you figured out where, where your weaknesses were, and then you, you built on them. So I think that goes along with our, you know, our try harder mindset here of, you know, it's just, it's not a failure. It's a, it's a, we're just, we, we just need to work on a few things and, and, and try again. So you mentioned a little bit about time management. And I think that that is, that is something that you hear a lot with people that are, you know, they're trying to learn a skill. They're going back to school. They're, working on a certification, they're working on a big, they're working on something big. 
Um, so what, what, what are some things that you learned about time management, maybe that you weren't doing well with, and what, what might be some tips that you would give to people that they're, <laughs> they're, they're already busy. They got, you know, they've got responsibilities, they got a job, they got a mortgage, they got, you know, kids, they got, you know, families, and now they're going to add this into it. So what would be some advice that you would give them? Yeah. So with time management, I learned real, real quick during my, my first pen 200 exam, uh, that I, that I had poor time management. I, I spent about, I think 10 hours on my first machine and I, without moving on, without taking a break, it was, it was just miserable. Uh, I, you know, I, I managed, I, I finally managed to get into the machine, but like I wasted so much time on that machine. I didn't even, I didn't even look at anything else. And by the time I think like 18 hours rolled around into the, into the exam. And I never slept on the first exam. Like I, I stayed up the full, full 24 hours, which was also another huge mistake. Uh, uh, so after, after taking the first exam and unfortunately failing it due to my poor time management, I, I, I made sure for the second exam that I, I made sure I was managing my time wisely. So I took, I took frequent breaks during my exam every, every two hours, regardless of whether I made progress on a machine or I didn't, I, I would just go take a, a 10, 15 minute walk or, you know, go, go do something that was not just computer related at all. Um, I even, I think I might've taken it a little too far. Also, I, I basically just installed some time management software on my machine. So like literally oh, that's a good idea as yeah, uh, literally as I was taking the exam, um, I would start the timer and, um, it would track how long I worked on a specific machine. So like I, I made it super granular, probably a lot more than I really needed it to be. So like, as I worked on one machine, I'll be like, okay, I spent two hours on this. Okay. I'll come back to it later. And then when I did come back to it later, I, I restarted that timer. Um, so like I knew how long I spent on each individual machine um, while I was working through that, that second exam attempt. What about for um, people that are, that they're studying and they're preparing for this? you know, they're not, they're not necessarily ready to take the exam, but now they're studying for this and they've got all this other stuff going on in their life. How did you, how did you find the time to, you know, prepare to take the OSCP? So for me, um, I was working at, um, a company before Oracle, um, as a, as a full-time employee, I had nothing else going on really other than just yeah, that full-time position. Um, and then anything else that was kind of just going on in my life. Um, you know, I'm not a parent or at least not one yet. Um, but you know, for me, uh, you know, I went to my day job. I, when I was doing the red team, uh, volunteer time, uh, they, they would give me some opportunities to kind of work on my OCP journey or work on bone hub machines. So, um, but even then, I still treated my my OCP journey like a, a second full time job. So um, I would get home from work, I would have dinner, and then you know immediately after dinner, and maybe watching like an episode of of a show that I was interested in, I would I would just spend four or five hours in the labs, or four or five hours reviewing the materials, and going through the exercises. Um, and from there. Um, uh, you know, if there's things that I knew that I, I could do while I was running, like, you know, some, some scans or, um, I would kind of just read up on things that are going on. 
um, just trying, just trying to get help, get myself ahead of areas that I knew I was weak in. Like I knew going into the journey, I was terrible. I was going to be terrible with like my SQL injections. So like, I, I kind of looked into those a bit while I was doing scans. So what are you, you, you've, you've had, you spent a couple of years in, in security now in your career. So, you know, what is, what are some of the biggest things that you've learned you know, not not necessarily about like a technical thing. It could be it could be something technical. But what is what are some of the biggest things? that are biggest lessons that you've learned um, so far in your cybersecurity career? I've learned that uh, there's different forms of of pen testing. Um, originally, when I went to it into pen testing, um, even like before starting my journey, uh, I basically thought I'm like, okay, I want to be a red teamer slash a pen tester, and to me. I thought that's just, hey, I'm going to you know, hack other organizations' machines that they, they're asking me to, you know, with these uh, this scope or these rules of engagement. And, you know, it's, it's always just you're going to be operating from the outside. And I never stopped to think, okay, well, there's, there's different forms, or I didn't realize there's different forms of, okay, you can be like an internal pen tester for a company, which is what I do at Oracle. Um, where everything's kind of just white box um, and and you just try to find the vulnerabilities, right? I'm not trying to gain admin access on the machine because I already have it based on how things are set up at Oracle for me to do the work that I'm doing. Um, or I'm not trying to, I don't know, steal like a, a, a quote unquote flag or, you know, some zip document, right? So it's not, there's no, there's no flag that I'm trying to go after. It's just, can I find the vulnerabilities? Um, if they exist, if they do, just create a kind of report and fill out some bug tickets and and work with the service teams to to help fix those. So um, I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned since I've joined um, is there's there's a big difference in just pen testing. I mean, it some people consider that a a generalized term, and you know it is. Um, but I had I had associated that term with just one thing, and um, I know a lot of people also con uh, confuse red teaming with, you know, kind of that similar mindset of I'm just going to do everything from the outside. But it's it's a lot more than that. It's kind of just dealing it. It's dealing with people and, and the rules and policies that are in place more so than just can I break my way in. Right, and I think I think that's true of all of you know information security or cybersecurity. Like these, this is a this is a huge field. This is a huge discipline. Like there's, there's so much to it. And, and I think, I think a lot of times what attracts people to security is, you know, they want to, they want to be a hacker, right? Like that's, that's what they see on the, in the movies and they see on TV and that kind of thing. And not understanding that there's, there's a, well, first of all, there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of oppor different opportunities there, but the whole field itself is, it's a huge field. I kind of, I always kind of um, compare it to, the medical profession where, you know, you could be a neurosurgeon, you can be a nurse, you can work at the front desk at a, a doctor's office. You can work in billing. You can work in insurance. You can work at a pharmacy. Like there's so many different opportunities. You know, people don't just say, I'm going to go into medicine or I'm going to go into to the healthcare field. Well, what is it that you're going to do in the healthcare field too? And I, I feel like security, um, has become that where it's, it's, it's just, you, okay, you're going to go into cybersecurity, but, but like, where, what, do, what is it that you're going to do? Um, and I think that um, that's really where mentors come in place um, of that, you know, if somebody has shown some sort of interest in 
um, you know, ethical hacking, pen testing, um, you know, maybe, maybe working in a sock doesn't matter. They, maybe they've shown some interest, but they're not exactly sure where, which area of cybersecurity they want to work in. Um, and, and a mentor oftentimes can come in and help that person and guide that person, give them some suggestions of, you know, um, this is a route that I think I want to take in my career. Can you help me? Right. So have you had anybody like that in, in your career where you said, okay, I'm, I'm interested in this, you know, who, who around me can help me figure this out? Yeah, I've had a couple of different mentors through through my journey to get where I am today. Um, one of them uh, was at one of my my former employ, uh, employers. Um, they were they were pretty well known in the field at the time. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name because it was it was so long ago now, and I, I remember just being an alias that is the kind of the part that I had fixated on. Um, uh, Oh, uh, it was a member of Loft's Crack or, or Loft, I think was the group name. Um, I'm blanking on. But yeah, so I, I remember working with this person and asking them a bunch of questions at, uh, while I was working at that company. You know, like, you know, what's what's the different things that I can do in pen testing? Like, you know, what are the steps I can take towards getting to to where I want to be? And um, they they had provided me some. Uh, some information and some guidance, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't everything that I was kind of really looking for to get out of it. It was, this was just really high level. And, you know, to, to be fair, they're, they're probably a fairly busy individual. Um, so in any case, you know, any, anything that they're willing to give me, I was, I was accepting of it. And I, you know, I tracked down whatever they told me, um, you know, fast forward to the, another former employer uh, where I was uh, volunteering at that red team. Uh, this is where I'd gained kind of like my my new mentors. Um, they they kind of just said, "Hey, um, you know, you should go get your OCP certification if you really want to be in this field. Uh, you know, it'll help you um, at least learn the methodologies and have kind of like the skill sets, the mindsets um, to get you prepared to be in here. Um, you know, it's not. You know, they they basically said it's not." It's not a guarantee that it'll help you get into the field, but it definitely helps aid you on your way to be in the field. So, um, I, you know, I asked them for other things that I can go after in my preparation for my OCP certification and, and the journey. They said, take a look at Vulnhub, take a look at other things, um, you know, over the wire, look at those platforms and, and you know, learn things that you, you probably didn't already know that can help you before you know your OCP journey but also at the same time like just go for it and for me I was really worried about starting the journey again after kind of just not knowing anything in 2014 2015 when I first started um you know after volunteering with them for a while and asking them a bunch of questions and um gaining the experience while working with them they just said just yeah go for the OCP certification and you know if you have questions about how to do something in the labs um you know feel free to ask so they were uh, these two mentors. Um, I work with them at Oracle now. They're actually on the the red team. I'm on the the pen test assessment team here at Oracle. Um, they've actually been on our podcast before. They're uh, Root Killa and T Timson. They did a a uh, a DefCon 27 talk about uh, endpoint detection and response. If I remember right, uh, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, I occasionally reach out to them and ask them questions. I also have my new teammates at Oracle who kind of help answer some questions in areas that I might not be really strong in. Um, there's, there's mentors everywhere. As long as you're willing to kind of seek that from somebody and they're, you know, you find someone who's willing to give you the time and work with you, uh, it'll, it'll help your career go a long way. Yeah. I think, I think mentors are just, you know, very valuable with helping, helping, helping people figure out just what area of security they want to get into. A lot of times, you know, you, you graduate with your degree and you've got this foundation of the whole field, but it's like, okay, well, which area do I want to go into now? And then when, then once you've picked that area, how do you advance your career? How do you, how do you, how do you move things forward in that? So one thing that we hear about a lot is that there's this cybersecurity workforce shortage. There's so many open jobs in the country, in the United States. There's so many open country uh, jobs throughout the world. Um, and so what can, what can managers do? If you think back to like when you were trying to break into the field um, and even maybe what you see now, uh, what can, what can managers do? The people that are doing the hiring, what can they do to make it easier for people to break into that field? Cause you constantly hear that, there's this, there's this workforce shortage, but then you turn around and you're like, you know, I've got this degree, I've got the certification, but I can't get my first job. So what can, what can managers do to, you know, hiring managers do to make it easier for people to break into the, into the field? So you, yeah, I definitely had some issues breaking into the field. Um, you know, I got my OCP certification, um, you know, thinking it'll definitely help me. And, and it did, but there was, there was times where, um, you know, it just, it, it wasn't a workout or, you know, there was an issue with it, trying to get into the field. I don't know. There was, it, it was definitely difficult. I've been, I was ghosted by um, interviewers trying to find um, a position. Um, I had interviewers who would show up late. Um, I would be presented with challenges that, I just really didn't have the skill sets for, um, even though I said, Hey, I have this certification and, um, you know, it prepared me for the things that I needed to know, but there was also things on those challenges that weren't in the certification and I just didn't have the skill sets for at the time. Um, so I guess, you know, for, for managers and leaders, right. If, if you're looking for talent, especially at the, the junior position, um, and if you're requiring like these specific certifications or these different kind of skill sets, um, and and you know, you know, if you're if we're just looking at a certifications, right? Like if you know a, a certification only tests or, or kind of helps provide this kind of knowledge, and you you include something else in your challenge, you know, keep keep that in mind. Um, you know, you're you're potentially already just gating people, or, or I don't want to say gating. Um, that's probably not the right term to say, but you're you're basically already counting these individuals out based on something just because they don't have that skill set. Um, you know, if someone's really determined or really passionate about the field, they're they're going to learn it. Um, they're going to interact with people in the organization once they're hired to try and catch up to speed. Like, um, you know, people people who are passionate they they're going to want to prove that they, they belong there. They, they're going to want to show that they, they have the drive for the field, the passion. So um, I guess just give, give some of these individuals an opportunity outside of the challenge or recognize that the challenge may not be for them, but um, I understand it's there for a reason um, to, try to, 
to test what they know or don't know, but that that is a potential reason as to why uh, I guess we're seeing such a shortage. Um, you know, we have these individuals who who have things, you know, like, you know, just going for the OCP as an example, like they, they might have their OCP certification. They have that methodologies and the skill sets that we're, we're trying to, to teach them through the, through their journey, but they don't have the other skill sets. So now they're, they're kind of being blocked by that. So, um, you know, Oracle didn't provide me a challenge. Um, I came in as a junior pen tester. Um, and, you know, I still I still show the same level of dedication as I was going through my journey for the Pen 200 uh, or OCP certification. Rather, I still show that same level of dedication and passion to the field. I still show it to to the team at Oracle. And um, you know, I I want you know I'm not saying I'm trying to prove myself to them, but you know, I want to I want to show that I'm I'm here to help the team. I want to show that um, this is for me, um, and that you know because you were willing to, to take the chance on me by not providing a challenge or looking past the challenge, if they provided one that um, I'm, I'm going to give everything that I have to, to this position and, and to, to my passion. Yeah, I think that on um, one of my previous podcast episodes, I uh, interviewed Dr. Timothy Summers, um, who he, he, he wrote his doctoral dissertation on how hackers think. And, you know, the, the premise is that there's, you know, there's, there's technical skills that are needed, but there's also this, you know, this innate curiosity and creativity and looking at the world just a little bit differently. Um, and so the, you know, the conversation goes to when you're, when you're hiring people, um, look for those skills, look for the, that curiosity or that desire to learn. And, um, you know, some of those, some of those characteristics that not everybody has that technical skills can be taught. And the way I sort of look at, um, you know, challenges during an interview, I look at them for, from a couple different ways. Like, yeah, you kind of want to know where somebody is on their, on their skills. People are always nervous in job interviews to begin with. I mean, that's, it's already, you're already in this, this stressful situation. Um, but I really, I really kind of view like challenges should be all right, we really like this person. We, we really like the characteristics they have. They've got all the things that we're looking for. Let's see where they are technically and, and where do we need to train them on and where are they already really good at and, and how do we get them you know, where, where we need them to be technically. So you know, there's, there's a lot of talk right now about hiring, hiring for those characteristics and we can teach you know, some of the, if there's gaps in those technical skills that can certainly be, certainly be taught. So, um, so if you were starting over, like, let's say you, you go back, you know, you know, six, seven years, I guess what, eight years, <laughs> um, if you were starting over, if you're starting your cybersecurity career over, what, what might you do differently? I think I would probably go back and immediately try to seek out that mentor. Um, I waited a bit to do it even after joining the, the workforce, um, you know, I talked. I had talked about that member who was part of Loft, um, and it, it took me a bit to find him. It was just I I struggled to to do even anything in the pen testing with Backtrack course, um, Pen Two Hundred, um, and, and yeah, just just finding mentors who are willing to take an interest in your journey. Um, as long as you're willing to show that you're you're willing to put in the work and that you're passionate about right. something, that that really helps. So I would definitely try to make sure I found that mentor immediately after I had graduated from RIT. 
because I knew that the program was just starting. Um, now, now the program it could be much better for all I know, but even so, right? I think as soon as you find mentors who are are passionate in the field as well, and they like to give back to others, and they they want to see others succeed, um, and they're they're interested in your journey, I, I think that's that's the first thing I would do. Okay. Okay. Great. So, um, and we're starting to close up here. So let's talk about some of the things that maybe you're working on right now and what kinds of things are, what kind of projects are you working on that you're, that you're excited about? So I'm working on a pro, uh, a pretty high profile project at Oracle. I can't unfortunately go into too much detail about it, but, um, it's really interesting to work with the the teams that I'm working with on this on this project, um, the different services that we're interacting with. There's there's a lot of things that I'm learning about that you know, I've never really delved into, never really thought about um, in terms of a service, how these um, services interact with each other in terms of like protocols and things like that. Um, at least from an Oracle perspective, um, for Offsec, there's there's plenty of things that I'm working on with TJ. Uh, for community side to help engage people a bit more and, and get them interested with with the things that we're offering. So um, I know we're looking to to create some some virtual machines that people can get into, similar that you would find on, on Proving Grounds or, or Bonehub, where um, you know if you if you do manage to to root the machine or, or gain admin or, or or just get the flag right, where we're hopefully looking to offer some some Pen two hundred vouchers for people to. To kind of start their journey, who who either have the skills to to start it, but they don't have the funds, or they don't want to pay the funds, whatever it may be, right? But like we're we're looking to create these events that engage you to help you potentially start your journey. Awesome, awesome. And last question: What do you think is, or what do you see, is the next just big thing in cybersecurity in any any area of cybersecurity, not just. Um, you know, uh, ethical hacking or pen testing, just in any area of cybersecurity, what do you, what do you think is the next big thing? The cheap response would be, uh, you know, uh, blockchain and NFTs and Mm -hmm. web and, uh, you know, the next web three. Um, but I guess, you know, I'll I'll say that, but I also want to say, I guess, kind of just social engineering, um, I think that's that could be a, a nice big area, right? A lot of it comes down to these different like phishing campaigns and 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 all these different kind of methodologies and attacks to getting information out of people um, to help you kind of aid you in your your target. Um, or if you're doing these you know these CTF events where social engineering is a part of it, um, but you know humans unfortunately are kind of I guess the weakest link at the same time yeah. just because. Um, People do want to be helpful, um, myself included. I, you know, I fall fall victim to being trying to be too helpful at times. Um, so I, th- I think that that's a pretty big area. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, you know, there's a lot more a lot more people paying attention to that. You know, we, we're constantly. I feel like we're constantly trying to solve problems. You know, tech uh, people problems with technology. But I think like there's a lot of a lot of people really paying attention to some of the psychology. Behind, like even even this concept of like why do people click on links and why do they keep clicking on them, um, you know, where people are paying a lot more attention to like you know the the psychology of why this kind of stuff keeps happening. So I I, I definitely agree with you. And I I also agree. I think sort of that low hanging fruit is like 
you've got all these other new technologies that are coming out. Um, you know, I, I often think about things like, uh, you know, quantum computing and what that's going to do for encryption and, um, you know, things like that. And that's kind of, it's kind of, somebody said to me once, she's like, well, I'm glad, I'm glad that there's a lot of really smart people out there thinking about it. Um, and I'm like, well, I'm not glad because it's, it's scary. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a very scary thing. So, um, yeah, so definitely there's a lot, a lot happening with security. Um, and we're paying a lot more attention to, um, you know, both the people side of things and the technology side of things. So thank you, Adam, for joining us on the podcast today. And it was really great to learn a little bit more about your background and your OSCP journey and just how you, um, you know, broke into the field and, you know, maybe just help other people who are maybe in the same spot that you were, you know, seven or eight years ago as, as trying to, as trying to break into the profession. And I also think that you gave some really good advice to, managers who are um, really, you know, they've got open positions and they can't find people to, to fill those positions. What, what are some of those things that they can do to, to make those positions more attractive for, um, for entry-level employees? So thank you. And uh, I'll see you guys all in the next episode of the Offsec podcast. Have a great day.